Real Fun DC. So good you'll eat it up. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Welcome to a, another episode of Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Week six. Hard to believe we are actually going into week seven of the COVID-19. How are you all doing out there? It's been a crazy couple of weeks or a crazy six weeks. And um, everybody has gone through their own sort of grieving period, whether uh you know, you're at home and you're able to work, um, but you're alone, or you've lost your job, or your partner has, or a family member has, or you're isolated. Everybody is going through their their own experience, um, as they should with this pandemic. Um, but there is a lot out there that can help you get through it. Um, there are free classes and discussions and demos that you can access if you're interested, obviously, and if it makes you feel better, whether it's a workout or a meditation or a cooking class. There's so much of that going on right now. People are really trying to get out there and sort of free their own minds and hopefully free yours. Um, so the list are you on it.com, our website, uh, currently, the calendar is now open. We are listing every virtual cooking class, wine tasting, cocktail demo, you name it, it's on there. A lot of them are for free. I highly advise checking them out. They're really fabulous entertainment, and it just gets you away from the day-to-day -day BS, if you know what I mean. Um, so the calendar is open. Check out all that's going on there. The Buzz has all the info. For those of you who can now do delivery and takeout, believe it or not, it's changing every day. For example, Gravitas will no longer be doing it as of Sunday, but Le Diplomat is now doing it as of Wednesday. Um, so it's constantly changing, uh, but there's things like uh, brunch roundups, uh, fabulous date night roundups. All those things are there for those of you who are able to partake in them. Um, and we have a whole list of charities who are supporting restaurants and individuals in need, the Human Rights Campaign, World Central Kitchen, Hook Hall, Hip City Veg. So many people are pivoting and finding ways to not only feed those who can pay, but feed those who can't, uh, which is a perfect segue, which is what I do, uh, for my next guest. Um, I'm so excited um, because I know how busy she is to have uh, the CEO of the Capital Area Food Bank, Radha Mathaya, on the phone with me. Um, 26 million people are food insecure. Uh, uh, no, I think my numbers are wrong. 37 million people were food insecure before COVID. And now we're looking at conservatively another 17 million people. Um, those are amazing, amazing numbers. And I think the optics when you, if you watch the news or read the paper, we're seeing and hearing stories of dairy farmers dumping milk or that celery farmer out in California that it's just there to rot and become compost. And then the next page is a photo or video of uh, cars for miles and miles and miles of people waiting at food banks or food services. 
Um, so there's a disconnect there. And Radha, that's why I brought you on the phone today. I want to thank you so much for joining me. I'd like to start with a little sort of 411 because I don't know if everybody knows what is a food bank. Thank you for having me and thank you for discussing this this very important topic at this point in time. Um, a food bank is an organization that receives food uh, from those who may have excess food. Um, and in some cases, we purchase more to be able to satisfy the demand that's there. And then we turn around and distribute and provide it through a network of partners. And in some cases, directly distribute uh, that food that we have to those who we know are food in secure, those who are uncertain where their next meal is going to come from. So that's the role of a food bank. You can think of us almost like a wholesaler with distribution partners uh, all throughout the community. The big difference is that, you know, ultimately the end client is not paying to acquire that food, but that food is being provided to them free of cost. And in normal times, pre-COVID times, how did you when you say you got food from different partners, are you getting prepared foods? Are you getting grocery items? And, and who were your partners? How, how did you vet these people? How did you work that? Sure. So, you know, it might be important just to set the stage. I know you shared some data at the beginning that's at the, you know, that resembles national level statistics. Uh, for us in the greater Washington area, there are about 400,000 food insecure individuals. And this is pre-COVID, the population that we were working with. Um, and we provide... And that's to, a, I, to, inter to interrupt, that's in the D.C. metro area, right? That's correct. So the D.C. metro area, including all of Washington, D.C., Prince George's and Montgomery counties in Maryland, and then Arlington, Fairfax, Manassas, Prince William, uh, Alexandria, basically northern Virginia. So that is the D.C. metro area for us. And that's where we provide uh, uh, around 30 to 32 million meals each year to that um, food insecure population in our region. So that was pre-COVID. Um, you, you're asked we get our food from, right? Again, traditionally, we would get about 60% of our food supply uh, comes through as donations from retailers and wholesalers. So Giant, Safeway, um, Amazon Fresh, Costco, you name it. Uh, we're very lucky that almost all of them donate food to the food bank. Another 20% comes from USDA. So you can think of that as, um, as food that the government provides to us, but it's targeted often either to seniors, to children, or to those who may be living at or around the poverty line. So that's targeted to specific populations. Um, and then the remainder 20% we purchase as a food bank and we do that through the generosity of individuals in our community who support us with financial contributions. So that's the breakdown pre-COVID of where we used to get our food. Now, everything has changed and changed dramatically in the last six weeks. Um, and so the supply of food has, uh, has dramatically reduced uh, in the form of what's donated to us from retailers. So instead of 60% being donated to us, um, only about a quarter of that is being donated to us today. So we've seen about a 75% reduction in food donation from retailers to the food bank. Uh, that is an astounding 
number. So how are you pivoting given that there's going to be, I mean, the, the 400,000 food insecure prior COVID is still a staggering number. I mean, it's this area is so wealthy and to hear that prior to this, there were so many people who were food insecure is, is just gobsmacking. But now we're gonna have a bigger issue on our hand. I mean, the entire hospitality industry is decimated as are many other industries. Um, people are going to need your services. So what, what does the food bank do now that their mission has changed? Well, the mission hasn't changed, but how you how you worked before. Has That's changed. right. You know, the mission remains the same. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right, you're still feeding the people. mission yeah. is, uh, but it has just been um, enhanced in terms of the number of people who are now requiring our food. So, as you mentioned, um, there are several industries that have been affected more so than than others, and we are watching the unemployment claims very, very closely. In fact, we track it by county so that we have a sense of what the impact of unemployment is likely to be on the new numbers of food insecure individuals in our region. Um, so at, we're, we're still doing the math and, and assessing this just as everyone else is. But we project that, you know, something close to 20 a 20 percent increase in the number of individuals who will be reliant on the food bank and its network of partners uh, to meet some uh, of their food needs over the course of the next year. So again, to put it in, in numbers, that's, you know, we may be going from 400,000 food insecure individuals in our region to something that's closer to, you know, 470 or 480,000 um, food insecure individuals. So, you know, much will have to play out over time and we certainly hope it doesn't get to that level, but we have to plan for that. And, and that's really how uh, the work that we are doing now. Um, we have pivoted, you asked a little bit about how we are changing how we work, given that donations have declined dramatically. Um, there are a few things that have changed. One is that we have had to purchase, um, you know, just dozens and dozens truckloads more than we've ever purchased before. In fact, in the last month, we've purchased uh, the, you know, the amount of food that we've purchased is equivalent to what we've purchased over the last couple of years. So it's a significant increase in what we're purchasing just to keep our inventory at the level that we need to, to continue to provide food um, to those in need. We're obviously looking at increasing that as we see more and more um, people start to lose their paychecks. Um, and, uh, and we are planning for that for up to a year, potentially, given that, it, you know, it takes a while for the economy to recover, uh, to recover rather. Um, the other thing that we're looking at here, in addition to the purchase of food, is uh, is how we distribute this food. Um, that has already changed dramatically given the social distancing guidelines that we all have to to follow. And um, and so we are increasingly having to box more of our food before it's provided to partners and, and to clients just because we don't have the luxury anymore of individuals um, walking, uh, you know, walking around perusing sort of, you know, the, the food and deciding what they would like to to purchase. Um, so a lot well, of- can I, lot break, of can I just break in there for a second? So sure. I, I guess that's one of my questions about the, the functionality of the Capital Area Food Bank. Did the partners that you worked with, would they come in and sort of grocery shop in the food bank? And did people come in? Like how, how did it work before? And now how are you getting food to those partners now? 
Sure. No, that, that's that's a good question. So I would distinguish here between um, how partners used to work with us and then how we work with clients directly. So in the past, yes, we'd have many partners, partner organizations come to the food bank. They would place their orders, you know, online. Some may come to have it picked up uh, to pick up their food. Others might have us deliver it. So we've got a fleet of trucks and we would deliver usually larger orders um, to uh, to to partners. So that had that's how it used to work. Um, and then for clients, in a, we would often have about 300 or so direct distributions where we would set up what would look like a farmer's market um, in, a, in a different community, in a community. Uh, the only difference would be that people would line up often before they could enter the market. And they would, of course, not have to pay for any of the food items, but they would get them for free. Um, so our direct distributions um, have all but come come to, to a halt, um, given that we are not allowed to have, you know, large groups of people congregate and wait in line. Um, and we also uh, are, you know, want to make sure that people have enough distance between one another so that we're minimizing exposure. In those cases, uh, instead of people now walking and picking up what they want, we're boxing a lot of the food so that people can uh, either drive up if they have a car, we put the box of food in their trunk and they drive off, or if they don't have a car, um, people walk up to some of these selected distributions um, and, and then we're placing, you know, the box of food on the table. Our staff or volunteers step back. The individual client then steps forward to pick up the food. So in, in some total, most of our food will go out to partner sites and then be distributed. We are delivering and transporting all of the food now uh, and partners aren't coming to the food bank any longer to pick it up. And in instances where we have direct distributions in the form of pop-up pantries, we're then uh, boxing everything and ensuring the ability to minimize exposure and have adequate social distance. When we talk about your partners, what do partners look like? Are these uh, are these like the World Central Kitchens or DC Central Kitchens of the world? What, can we give people an idea of who you work with and how what those partnerships look like? Yes, of course. So our partners are across the spectrum. So some are well-known names like DC Central Kitchen, Martha's Table, Mana in Montgomery County, Food and Friends, Food for Others. So others might eat. I can go on. But these are the well-known. I mean, they're all right. All amazing organizations. Absolutely. And all organizations that are integral parts of our network and being able to get food to those those who need it. So there are organizations like those that I've just mentioned. And then we have smaller food pantries that are in faith-based organizations. So the local churches, synagogues, mosques, etc. in our area. And so and 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 everyone in between. And so we we partner for the most part by giving them groceries um, that they are then distributing to their clients. So most, I say the majority of food that we provide um, is groceries. So there's 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 very little. There's barely a couple of percentage points of the food that we provide that is semi-prepared or prepared. Um, almost all of it is uh, groceries that individuals then take home and can prepare um, in the comfort of their homes. So let me ask you now about, you mentioned earlier uh, the USDA. You used to get a little bit from them, and they have a food box distribution program. Are you working with them on that? Is that something that's being more incorporated into what you do? 
Yes, absolutely. We have several different USDA programs that we are engaging and partnering around. And you've mentioned um, a new one, which is just being released and is likely to take effect middle to late May, which is the um, coronavirus food assistance program that was part of the of the, of the packages um, that were recently released. So we are very much working in coordination with USDA on those uh, what will be uh, and what we understand to be pre-packaged um, boxes of either dairy or produce or pre-cooked uh, meat products. So we're very much in conversation and um, and and we'll, you know we hear more every day, and those are likely to take effect mid to late May. And would you be a distributor for them? How would that work for you? So our understanding is that there are national and regional distributors um, who will put in bids to be able to uh, distribute on behalf of USDA, and most of these. Distributors are businesses um, who is part of the economic recovery program for them to be able to continue to employ their staff and to be able to uh, continue to have their facilities and, and operations functioning at a higher level of utilization. We will be a recipient um, of the of these boxes, and so they will distribute to us. So if you if to paint a picture for for your listeners, um you know, USDA purchases essentially let's take produce, produce items from farmers. These distributors will then be, you know, either um you know, if it's cut fruit or vegetables, they'll be processing it that way. They'll package it. They'll put it into these boxes that are supposed to be 20 to 25 pounds each, and they'll prepackage it. And they will distribute it to food banks and, uh, and like organizations. And then we will have it to be able to put through our distribution channels so that it gets uh, through to clients via direct distributions or via our partner network. Well, that brings up a, an interesting um, point, and I sort of brought this up in the very beginning of uh, our chat. So we see these dairy farmers dumping milk, right? Or the, you know, the growers who are like the zucchini grower in Florida or something, you know, that, that they can't get their big ag. They're not like farmer market providers, vendors. Um, these are big agricultural farms. So where is the disconnect there? Why, why would somebody dump milk when people need it? Is it that they can't get it in contain? Is there, is there a financial component missing? Is there a process missing from getting it to those who need it, from those who have it? I mean, what's missing there? You know, we are certainly seeing some supply chain disruptions over the last few weeks as we all kind of have had to rapidly and abruptly adjust to these, you know, very extraordinary changing circumstances. So we, you know, we are certainly seeing that across the country in terms of some of these disruptions to the supply chain. One thing that is very clear for us is that we do, um, we, we are a, a, a reasonably sizable purchaser from all of our local farms um, in the area during the growing season. And so we will continue, um, you know, our ability to uh, 
purchase from them. And if anything, given the increasing number of unemployed in the region, we may be purchasing a lot more um, during this growing season. We are also seeing that there are just challenges, not just in, in, in transportation, but suddenly very large orders that are being placed, factories that may not be at the same level that they have before, perhaps you know, a portion of their staff may be sick or vulnerable. And all these things are factoring into the challenges of getting food from the farm, if you will, you know, to uh, to those like food banks who may be able to distribute it. So I, I suspect we won't see as much of these, um, you know, stories that we have seen over the last few weeks in the coming months because the supply chains are starting to uh, reorient to be able to meet this demand um, that, that does exist now. So they're sort of catching up, like everybody's had to pivot. Now they are. Now everybody's seeing where the holes are so that they can fill them. That's our hope. I mean, I, I don't pretend to sort of understand the full national supply chains on, on all of these products. What I can say is that from what we're seeing in our region and who we procure from, we are not likely to see any changes um, in our growing season in terms of what we will be purchasing from local farmers. And, and, and as I said, if anything, we will be we will be acquiring more um, given the number of individuals who um, who are likely to be in, in need of, of greater support. The other thing I'll mention for the last few weeks, which has been interesting to us um, as well, is that, you know, we pride ourselves in being able to provide nutritionally balanced grocery items for um, for our, our families and our clients in need. And we usually provide, you know, 35 to 40% of all the food that that leaves the, the food bank, if you will, is, is fresh produce. Um, in the last few weeks, as public health officials have been urging us to have more, you know, uh, in at home, uh, you know, two weeks worth supply in, in some cases, we have seen that our clients are interested, at least in the beginning, in much more shelf-stable food too, just because of its non-perishable nature and to be able to keep that as their backup supply. And so that could also account for a little bit more of, um, of the shelf stable items that people have have wanted, you know, versus some of the other items as well. Well, I think that makes sense. You know, when we were all concerned in the beginning, you know, what was running out, uh, you know, perishable foods were not running out, but canned items were, frozen items were. People just didn't know what the future held. Um, I do want to ask because because we have to wrap up shortly. Let me just ask you. You mentioned volunteers. Is that something like is that something that people can do? Can people volunteer and, and help? Because I, I feel that there are a lot of people who want to do more than write a check. Not that writing a check isn't fabulous, but there are people who can work. Bless you. Um, Absolutely. Is, and and we very okay. much want that work? volunteers. Yeah, no, we, absolutely. And we, we very much welcome volunteers. Um, we are obviously being careful um, in terms of the number of volunteers who we have at the warehouse at any given time so that we can maintain the six foot distance um, um, uh, among and between our volunteers. Um, we also are, you know, would require the help of volunteers as we do distributions in the community and as our partners are trying to do their distributions in the community. So there's certainly um, uh, an interest uh, for those who are willing 
willing to come and volunteer. And it's it's easy. They can go on to the Capital Area Food Bank website, which is capitalareafoodbank.org, and sign up to, to volunteer. In fact, next week and even the week after, we are going to be packing, you know, um, <laughs> upwards of 2,000 boxes a day. And so we will very much uh, need volunteers to come and help with that process so that we can get um, get these, uh, get the food to those in need. Well, that is good to know. What about donations? Do you, do you take individual donations? Do you take money? How, how else can people get involved? Well, certainly during this extraordinary period, we count on the generosity of our community. And I have to say the greater Washington community is incredibly generous. Those who are fortunate, um, always seem to, you know, have an interest in supporting those who find themselves in less fortunate circumstances. And we are so grateful for that. We know that this this set of circumstances, whether it's the pandemic or the economic slowdown, is going to be with us for not just a few months, but likely for the next year or more. And so we encourage uh, financial donations from those who have given, we thank you and encourage you to continue to donate. And for those who haven't given, perhaps thinking that this was a shorter term scenario when all of this began, uh, we encourage you to rethink that and, and to support the food bank. We are purchasing so much more than we ever have. In order to be able to do that, uh, we do need to have financial donations continue uh, to come into the food bank. And, and that can be done simply and easily um, on our website, capitalareafoodbank.org. And any level is welcome. Anything that people can do is much appreciated. Well, Radha, I just want to thank you so much for your time um, this afternoon. I know how busy you are. I know you're dealing with massive, massive issues and trying to feed over 400,000 people. So uh, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to educate us today on the Capital Area Food Bank, what you do, what you're doing, and how we can get involved. This is Nikki Nellis. You can follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Check out the list, areyouonit.com. We're covering everything going on in the D.C. food and wine seen on how you can get involved, how you can eat, and how you can help feed others. Again, Nikki Nellis, Industry Night. Thanks so much. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Thanks for listening to Real Fun DC.